Love God. Who's excited to be here? Come on. Man. It's been a long but short summer, amen? Anybody with me, right? Man, if you're here for Jesus, say I am. If you're here to find your future spouse, say I am. I love the honesty. Let's, let's Christian it up. Uh, if you're here for Jesus with the possibility of finding your future spouse, are you here? Amen? Okay. I love it. Hey, listen, uh, upperclassmen, let's speak to the, to the freshmen today. Um, nothing is sexier than a Christian, amen? Right? Hey, listen, freshmen. If they don't love Jesus the right way, they're not gonna love you the right way, okay? I just saved you months, if not years, of just heartbreak and frustration, all right? My goodness, I'm already preaching, it's the intro, come on. Uh, A little bit about me, my name is Brent Russell. Uh, My wife, Caroline, was just, she was singing for some Jesus, wasn't she? Woo, man. She's a sexy Christian. Just kidding. No, I'm not kidding. That's my wife. Uh, My wife and I actually have two lovely boys. We got Revan on the left, AKA Rev. And then we got River on the right. We call him the Lazy River because that's what he looks like all the time right there. I love it. He's awesome. I love my little boys. If there's any babysitters out there and you want to bless your minister, listen, I need Friday night date night with my wife, all right? If you want to come over and babysit, I'll, I'll buy you some tie-tie, all right? I'll, I'll buy you some dinner. We'd love to have you. Uh, but good luck with the two-year-old because he is a two-year-old, all right? Love him to death. Excited. You know, there are some things that I'm really excited about teaching my kids. I'm very excited about teaching my kids how to be bold through problems. Problems are gonna come, amen. Trials are gonna come. And I'm, I'm excited to be able to teach them how to be bold through problems because how they face their problems set the trajectory on how they're gonna get through their problems. I wanna teach my boys to not run from problems, but I wanna teach them to go through problems and teach them how to be bold through it. I'm excited to teach them. I'm excited also to teach my boys how to be bold with women. Some of y'all haven't listened yet. Now you're like, women, what, what? right? I want to teach them how to be bold with women. I want to teach them to be able to go face to face with a girl and say, I want to pursue you, all right? Not behind a screen, not behind a cell phone, face to face, all right? And say, I want to pursue you. I want to take you on a date, get to know you a little bit, ask you some questions, maybe see, you know, how you love Jesus, find the rhythm with all of it. I want to, I wanted them to be able to take them on a date. I even want to teach them how to be bold through a rejection, all right? How many of us guys ever been rejected before? Okay, just the, just the sexy ones like me, okay? 
I want them to be able to be bold with women and look at these girls as not just another object, but that they are children of the king. And they're going to talk to them the way that Jesus wants them to. They're going to date them the way that Jesus wants them to. They're going to touch them the way that Jesus wants them to. I want to teach my boys how to be bold. But you know what I'm most excited about? You want to know what I'm most responsible for as being a parent to these young men? It's how to be bold at the throne of God. I am held responsible. I think that Jesus is going to look at my life and say, how are you going to teach these young men how to be bold at the throne of God? When they pray and they enter that presence of God and it's just you and him The time that you spend there, students, is going to determine how you live your life out in this real world. See, how you pray dictates the direction in your life. How you communicate with our Father in heaven will illustrate how we live in this world. Now, students, I also feel that I am a little responsible to teach y'all how to be bold at the throne of God. Now, if I can just be a little personal with you, There's not, I I haven't struggled with some things with my walk with God, but I have struggled with some things in my walk with God. I have not struggled with how much I talk about God, right? I, I talk about God almost every single day. I have a lot of spiritual conversations. I, I do a lot of preaching. I talk about God a lot. I don't struggle with how much I hear about God. I hear about God in every, in almost every single day. I'm either listening to podcasts or, or I'm having conversations with people or I go to church every single week. Is that I hear about God in a lot of different ways. I, I also don't struggle with how much I read about God. I read the Bible as much as I possibly can. I read spiritual books as, pos- as much as I possibly can. But you want to know where I've struggled most in my walk with God? Is in how much I talk with God. Anybody with me? Anybody wish that their prayer life was just just bigger and better and bolder? That's where I've struggled with most in my walk with God. See, Charles Spurgeon says it this way. Charles is actually... I actually leaned on him with this sermon because he hit so many good points But he says it this way, is a Christian's vigor, happiness, growth, and get ready for this, usefulness all depends on prayer. A Christian's vigor, happiness, growth, and usefulness depends on prayer. See, the scriptures tell us that with the help of the Holy Spirit, prayer is our source of life. It's not just something that we do on a, on a, when we go to bed basis. It's not just something that we do when we procrastinate it on a test. Uh, let's be honest, right? And we're running into that test and we're like, God, listen, if you could just, man, pass this test for me, bro. Like me and you'll be tight, all right? I got it. Man, it's not just that last ditch effort or, man, some of y'all, you're just like, yeah, I need, I got to pray more. Or those girls that are like, God, if you just give me that boyfriend over there, I will fast for like two days of Bravo Network, right? Like guys are like, dude, Lord, listen, man, you give me that girl, bro, 
mm, I'll go to church at least for two weeks straight, right? Like, I mean, we're like really pushing ourselves around here. See, Scripture points in so many different places that prayer is something that we should do continually. It's something that we should do without stopping. It also says that prayer is not only temporary, but it's also eternal. Prayer is not something that we only do here on earth, but it actually illustrates that we also do it in heaven. It says that even the martyrs in heaven are praying to Jesus about when, when is he going to come back and revenge their lives. It says that there's a cloud of witnesses that are praying for salvation here on this earth. And I think for, for, for that reason, in so many different places in this Bible where it talks about and it illustrates prayer, I think is why Paul the verse that we're going to look at today, I, I think that's why he really wrote this, is because of the importance of prayer. So this verse today is Hebrews 4.16, for all of those of you who have your Bible. This is a verse that's very near and dear to my heart. It's something that I really hold true. And today I want us to walk through it. And it says this, Hebrews 4.16, let us then with confidence come, what? Boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. So we're gonna kinda walk through today. I wanna teach y'all kinda how to, how to tear apart scripture and kinda how to, how to internalize it, kinda how to study it. And uh, today I want us to look at the, a couple things. First, I want us to look at the description of our destination when we pray. I think it's, you know, it states it clear that we're supposed to go to the throne of grace. And then we see the exhortation about we're supposed to let us come to the throne of grace. But Paul doesn't stop there. He said, how should we approach that throne of grace? With boldness. And then I think through the context, we will find out the reason for our boldness. So let's dive in. The description of our destination is the throne of grace. See, going to the throne of grace now is a little different than going through the throne of grace in the Old Testament. See, the Old Testament, they, they built this ark. It was pure. It was golden. It had a mercy seat above it with this golden cherubim with its, with its wings all hovering over it. It was this beautiful art week. And it, that was the presence of God was in that place. And what happened one time out of a year? is that the high priest would come in and look up at that mercy seat just very dimly because it had smoke and it had incense and everything. He could just barely dim it, but he'd come in one time a year in order to get to the throne of grace. But guess what happened when Jesus came? When Jesus came, he took our sins, he took our shame, and he took them on the cross, and he died for our salvation. And what happened when Jesus died on that cross is that the veil was torn between that place and the people of God. And it signified something. It signified that we were no longer under any law. We had instant access to the God most high for all of those who believe in him. Now that's something to pay attention to. 
The throne of grace is not a waiting line. It's not a person that needs to speak for you. You don't need a proxy. You don't need anybody to become between you and Jesus. It's instant access. You pray, your prayer is direct. Your confession is your direct. Your praise is direct to the giver and the sustainer of life. And when he gives you life, Coming to the throne is not done with weakness, as Paul says, is that going to the throne of grace is done boldly. Now, I think some of us in here, I think I could see why some of us don't pray with boldness, and I I can understand why some of us don't go to the throne with boldness, because I think some of us, we don't see that throne as a throne of grace, but I think we see it as a throne of justice. See, when I was in fifth grade, I got my first girlfriend, Brittany Prince. Woo, new girl to town, had the dimples, the pigtails. Your boy was flying high on this new girlfriend. Everybody wanted to date her, all right? And I got her, okay? Well, I, we dated a couple weeks and Valentine's Day hit. So I was like, I went to Walmart, holy place, Got my chocolates, got my rose. I woke up that morning, pressed my jeans, combed over my hair when I had it. You know, I was looking fly, all right? My mom pulls up in the minivan, I hop out, cloud nine, all right? Walking to the front doors, and one of my best friends, she runs up to me, and she has tears in her her eyes, and she's like, Brent, I'm sorry to say this, but your best friend and your girlfriend are holding hands in the playground. Valentine's Day. So I walk out there and all my boys are like, bro, they're over there. And I look and I mean, fifth graders aren't smart. If you're gonna cheat on somebody, don't do it on the playground, right? I walk out there and from a distance, like we catch eyes. They look at me, I look at them and they're like, like, you know, stepping away. I'm like in shock and just like any good Christian, I was like, like thumbs up. Like I hadn't, I didn't know what else to do. All right, just like, all right, got it. The, the bell rings for first period and we, we went to class and my good buddy Jeremy's like, you wanna write them a note? I was like, yeah, I guess. He's like, what do you wanna say? And Casey was my best friend and I was like, man, Casey, bro, like, like you ruined my trust and we're best buds. I, I don't understand this. And Jeremy did his interpretation. He was like, Casey, you know what? You can take this friendship and shove it up your bleep, 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 bleep. As a fifth grader, right? He was writing words I didn't even know, but it was like half a page. And he's like, okay, now what do you want to say to Brittany? And I was like, well, Brittany, like you ripped my heart open, right? I was in love in fifth grade. Like, I thought I loved you. I thought I was going to marry you. Like, I just don't trust women anymore. I was so drama, right? And he's like, well, Brittany, you know what? You can take this relationship, and you know where you can take that to? And he's like, bleep, 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 bleep. And it was like, it was a full page of just cuss words I don't think either one of us knew. So at the end of the class, I was like, man, we can't. I was like, we can't give it to them. So I grabbed it and I tore it up to 100 pieces, threw it in the trash can, didn't think anything of it. Little did I know 
my arch enemy, Elena McBroom. <laughs> Redhead, all right. She grabbed all 100 pieces and scotch taped them together. <laughs> took it not to the teacher, took it to the principal, Mr. Fitch. Two hours later, Mr. Fitch on my science room intercom says, Mrs. Whaley, is Brent Russell in your class? And she's like, he sure is. And all the kids are like, oh. He's like, he needs to come to my office right now. Like, you can just feel the intensity. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And, like, it's only a 30-second walk, but I, I swear I made it, like, 15 minutes. Like, I'm zigzagging in the hallway trying to take. I'm shaking. Like, I, I can't. Like, I'm, like, I'm not a troublemaker. Like, I'm, like, blurred vision. Like, I don't know how to get to the office. I walk in. Jeremy, my friend, and his mama have already been there. They've both been crying. Mama Russell was there. And my mama is giving me them devil eyes, like, boy's going to get whipped when he gets home. <laughs> Mr. Fitch, bro, he laid into me for five minutes straight, just, I mean, just scared the death out of me. And just told me about in-school suspension, and like, I had like three weeks, I couldn't talk to anybody, I had to clean the bathroom floors. I mean, it was just miserable. And he just told me about all these wrongdoings and how I was wrong and all these things. And I just sit there and just took this punishment. See, I think some of us, we're going to the throne of grace, to the God most high, like, like I went to the principal's office because we think of it as a throne of justice and we're gonna get in trouble for what we have done. We're gonna get in trouble for all the sins that we have committed and we don't see it as a throne of grace, but we see it as a throne of justice. Oh, students, if we could just revel in the freedom of Christ. If we could just see that going to the throne was going to a God that promises his children grace and not justice, how different would our prayer life be? See, if we only saw God with the sword of justice coming down on our shortcomings, then he wouldn't be the Savior. If we only saw the throne of power and might of what God is capable of, then we would be missing the greatest blessing that God gives to his children. That is grace and that is mercy in the time of need. See, God is a God that loves to show his children grace and mercy. He delights in it. So when we see it as the throne of grace, and we see that we are going to a loving father, then we can go boldly knowing because we trust in Jesus to be the father that loves us. He wipes our sin as white as snow. He tosses our sin as far as the east is to the west. He's not here to condemn us, but he's here to save us. You're not coming to a judge, but you're coming to a father. So that's our destination. Next is the exhortation from Paul when he says, let us come to the throne of grace. It's not a singular, you go to the throne of grace. It's a plural, us. Let us come to the throne of grace. As he's like, I can just imagine him reaching out, out his hand. He's like, come on, bro, let's go. 
Like, let's go to the throne of grace. Come on, I got you, okay? Uh, let's go. I'm going to take you to the throne of grace. Who is this that is asking us to go and meet him at the throne of grace? It's Paul. Paul is considered one of the greatest Christians to have ever walked this planet. I mean, homeboy wrote 13 books of the Bible. You got to be extra holy for that. Amen. But see, Paul was not always Paul, the sold out Christian for Jesus. Paul was originally Saul, the Christian killer. He would literally drag people out of their houses and tell them to to disown Jesus in their faith, and if they didn't disown Jesus, then they would kill him. That was who this popular, most liked Christian was before he was Paul. That very man, listen students, that very man is saying, come on, let's go to the throne. See, Paul described himself as the the chief of sinners because of the the horrible things that he had done in his previous life. See, that sinner, that man had an encounter with Jesus on the Damascus road that changed his life. See, Jesus blinded him just for a moment with his eyes, but he awakened his soul. He awakened his soul to see that Jesus was real, that Jesus loved him, and no matter what Paul had done before, Jesus still cared and loved for him. See, I can hear his voice saying, come on, let's go. Let's go to the throne of grace. It was a voice of certainty that you could tell that had been there, that had experienced grace, that had experienced love, that had experienced mercy. And he's saying, come on, let's go. Paul, the saved sinner who is now a saint, says, let us go boldly. Now, what does that do for us, students? Maybe for some of us, We think that if the chief of sinners can go to the throne of grace, maybe I can too. Some of us, if we're honest, I talk with thousands of students a year. Some of us, we think that we're the chief of sinners. Some of us, we're stuck in our way. Some of us are stuck in the same sin. Maybe some of us have done a sin that was so terribly wrong or something that is weighing us down. If Paul, the Christian killer, can go be at the throne of grace, he can pray and have an instant connection with Jesus on high, maybe I can too. And when I see that, I just think of Paul saying, you know, I don't, Jesus doesn't, Jesus is willing to forgive you where whatever you've done. He's willing to forgive you. He's willing to love you. Come on, experience it. You can just hear his excitement. I mean, how inspiring is it to be around people that have been boldly at the throne of grace for years? It's addictive. You see, I can tell how often someone has been at the throne praying with the God of grace by how often they am invite people to meet them there. When you've experienced the throne of grace, you want other people to experience the grace. So what's the action word? What's next here? If we dive in just a little deeper, is how should we come to the throne of grace? It says that we should come boldly. Our prayers are not to be said with hesitation, but they should be said 
with confirmation. We don't go to an empty throne. We go to a filled throne with a loving God that wants to give us grace and mercy, and therefore we should come boldly. Now, this is where I kind of want you all to learn how to kind of look into context here. See, the Greek word here for boldly can actually have a couple different alternatives when you're looking at it. And I want to give you just a few different ways that, that I was able to look at this text. When it says, come boldly, I think boldly can also mean constantly. Constantly means at all times. The path to the throne is always open. There's no set hours. There's no days off. The throne is always open for business. So what does that boldness show us? Is that when we go constantly to the throne, our God is constantly willing to listen. When your mama might be tired of you, fellas, all right, see what I did there? When your mom is tired of listening to your problems, listen, God is not tired of listening to your problems. When your boo-boo sweet thing is saying, bro, toughen up, man. Like, you're wearing your emotions on your sleeve. God is not tired of listening to you. You know what happens when you go constantly to the throne of grace? is that you're showing yourself and you're showing God that God's ways are higher than your ways. So I can just imagine when walking to class that this is gonna happen and you got stresses and anxieties and you got your, your couple minute walk to class and you're thinking, God, listen. You get that connection with him. You say, God, listen, I got this anxiety. I got this burning thing and Lord, I just need you to take this from me and let me just be able to walk today with boldness and kindness and gentleness and self-control. Maybe some of us, when we're sitting in our dorm rooms or our apartments, and I know some of y'all 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 battle with depression and just stress and anxiety beyond belief, and maybe you just need to sit in your room and say, God, listen, I need that connection with you. I need to feel that holy hug. Lord, I want to just cast and I want to rise up. I want to cast everything upon you. I want to let it go, and I want to rise up, and I want to worship you. You have that instant connection with Jesus. Maybe some of us, we just need to get up and dance for Jesus sometimes, amen? Uh, be a little freaky, right? Like, be, be a little crazy for Jesus. Maybe sometimes we need to just get up and shake all the haters off and just stand up and dance and be crazy for Jesus. You don't want to see this dance because it's, it's ugly, all right? The doors are always open to come boldly to the throne of Jesus. I think boldness can also mean completely. Come completely to the throne of grace with your big problems and with your small problems. I think small problems can be just little insecurities. It can be maybe some relationship problems with some people. Maybe it can be something even as minute as an impure thought or a negative thought. Something that you know that just doesn't give you joy and give you peace. See, God thinks it's worth it. God wants all of you. He doesn't want just a part of you or, or most of you. God wants to help every bit of you. Some of us think our problems are too small for God. But see, small problems in my life always snowball. 
Now, if I were to say, hey, why don't you go to New York and go shop, not buy anything because it's too expensive and it's probably fake anyway, amen? And, but I would say, but before you go, I want you to put this small little pebble in your shoe and I want you to go walk around for six hours. Now, when you start walking, it's more of an annoyance, right? You're like, gosh, I got a freaking rock in my shoe. All right, you're walking, no big deal. About an hour later, you're like, man, that's starting to get kind of deep in there, right? That might be hitting bone, amen, all right? And then it's like, okay, this is getting sore. I'm getting a bruise. And then that little bitty pebble actually starts affecting the way that you walk. It's actually giving you a limp. It's actually taking away your stride. See, small things aren't just small things. Small prayers aren't worthless prayers, God wants to help every little bit of you because he knows even in the small things, they can snowball into being bigger things. God wants you completely. He wants all of you. Now, let me say a side note on this. Now, when I say big problems, Jesus wants to hear them. Yes, you know exactly what I'm talking about, the hard things in life, the big things in life. But God also wants big prayers in your life. See, God wants big prayers in your life, and I think the big prayers that God wants is not only about your problems, but he wants them to be about your potential. Big prayers that would require a big God to fulfill, something like, Lord, I wanna be able to lead my best friend to you. Give me the, the courage, give me the knowledge. Lord, I wanna take them to the throne so they can walk in eternity with you. What if? We think something bigger. Lord, I want to save my fraternity house or I want to save my sorority house. Lord, give me the, 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 ped, the pedestal to do so. Let me Give me the boldness. Give me the knowledge to, to do so. God wants big prayers in your life. Now, students, I think you can level how big your faith is by how big your prayers are. If your big prayers are only about your problems, then you will miss the potential of your faith. Coming completely to Jesus not only shows what he can do for you, but it shows what he can do through you. God wants your small problems, but he also wants your big prayers, which shows your potential faith. Boldly can also mean freely. Come freely to the throne. I cannot tell you how many people just say, I just don't know how to pray. I just don't know the lingo or the verbiage. Like, I just, I'm so scared, right? That's the guys too, all right? Like I say, hey, you wanna come pray across? I'm like, no, I don't know how to, right? See, Jesus isn't looking at your lingo. Jesus is looking at your heart. It's some of the best prayers that I've known in my life are those who just have a conversation with Jesus. Jesus, listen, I love this dude. I want him to have a great life. I want him to just be blessed and all these. I mean, it's just a conversation with Jesus. Jesus just wants to have a conversation with you. But some of us are just afraid that we just don't have the right verbiage. Well, I have a two-year-old, like I said, named Revan. And during the summer, uh, my boy Rupson, who's actually doing our lights over here, he, he has come over a couple times to, do, uh, to help us fix these beautiful lights. 
And, and Revan loves Rupson. He'll run up and give him a hug. And Revan's like, Rupson's like, uh-huh, yeah, that's great. Uh-huh. And then Rupson, what does he do? He looks at me. He's like, what, what did he say? It's like, you got great hair. I love your car. And dad gave me a spanking today. <laughs> like, I mean, see, I can understand what Revan says because I am his father. Much like our Father in heaven, he's like the rest of us fathers in this world that love it. I love it. I love it when my child comes and talks with me. I love it when he laughs with me. I love it when he tells me his problems. I love it when he comes and cries to me about something that he needs help with. God cares about your heart. He doesn't care about your verbiage. He wants to have a conversation with you. He wants to connect with you. He wants to help you students we have to learn how to just talk with Jesus so he is he can talk back to you and you can listen you can live this life with so much joy that you could not ever imagine it might not make sense to anyone else but when it comes to your loving father he cares more about just talking with him than anything else we got to come freely to Jesus and lastly this I think boldly can mean consistently. If your prayers aren't answered the first time, I think that we should continue to pray for those things specifically. See, what I've learned through my own life is God's timing is not always my timing. Amen, anybody, anybody with me, right? And I can't tell you how many times I've wanted something and God gave me the holy pat chill, bro, right? Like, chill, all right? I know, I got you, all right? Why don't you just chill? All you single people out there right now, I was in college too, like a year ago, because that's how young I am. I just look like I'm in my 30s. I know that you wake up thinking about a relationship, and I know that you go to bed thinking about a relationship. I know you do. And I know some of us are praying, God, please, I want a relationship. God, I need a relationship. I need a relationship. I need a relationship. Have you ever wondered about the old church saying that maybe in rejection, God really has protection? See, maybe in rejection, God has done phase one of answering your prayer and maybe you didn't get that girl or you didn't get that guy or you didn't get that job or you didn't get that friend group because God wasn't done answering your prayer yet but because he was in phase one of his master plan but you quit praying about it. Maybe God was saying, you know what? Phase one was actually rejection of this girl because I have this other girl for you that's just gonna rock your face off and she's gonna make you the man of God that you need to be. She's gonna encourage you and she's gonna uplift you. I know you want this other girl, but she ain't nothing compared to this girl. 
I know that you wanted this job, or I know that you wanted this sorority. I know that you wanted this fraternity. I know you wanted this friend group. But so many of us, we prayed for those things one time, and we got rejected from it. But God wasn't done yet, and he wanted you to continue to pray and pray and pray and be able so he could get you to the point of really getting this thing in his Rejection, maybe it was really protection. And we thought, God, why aren't you saying anything? Why aren't you doing anything? And we get bitter and we just get more and more angry and we just stop praying. Maybe in God's silence, he's actually doing more in answering your prayer than he would have done if he would have just given you the very thing that you prayed for in the first place. Keep on consistently going to the throne of grace, students. Maybe you're in the middle of something right now and God has something greater for you than you can ever imagine. And lastly is this. How can we go to the bold how can we go to the throne of grace boldly? What is the reason for all this? It says in verse 15 it says, "For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without Sin. You don't pray to a God who sits on a throne telling you how to be perfect. You pray to a God who came down to this world and lived a sinless life, going through the same temptations, the same struggles that we do, not to point a finger at you, but to put an arm around you and walk with you and talk with you and do life with you and encourage you. You are not praying to an empty throne. You are praying to a full throne that is with the loving, most kindest God that you could ever imagine. Only when you have faith in Jesus can you come to the throne of grace. Only through Jesus will any of this work. We got to come to the throne of grace with boldness. If you would close your eyes and I want you to just reflect just for the next couple seconds. I want you to reflect over your last couple months of life and I want you to analyze your prayer life and say, did I go to the throne of grace? Did I pray knowing that that was a God that was merciful and he was willing to give me grace and to give me mercy more than I could ever imagine? Maybe some of us, we don't pray because we don't know Jesus. And tonight I want to tell you that Jesus wants to have a relationship with you. We're gonna have a prayer team down here at the front. And you're saying, you know what, I want to have that relationship. I wanna have that connection. I wanna be able to pray and, and have that instant access to Jesus and have him to forgive me of my sins and to wipe my sin as far as the east is from the west. I wanna have that. And I beg you, I beg you, I beg you to come down to the front here and pray with somebody and go change your eternity forever. I beg that. Maybe some of us in here, we have already done that but our prayer life has not been done with boldness. It's really been done with shame. 
And maybe there's something that we have done, maybe there's something that we're living in right now and we need to rip it from our life and we need to take a stand and we need to go to the throne of grace and we need to go in the throne of repentance and we need to go, go, go to the God of mercy and say, God, you know what, I love you, I care for you and let him just pour into your life more than you could ever imagine. I also beg you to come down and pray with someone down front. Lord, I just ask you to be with these students tonight. As we start the semester, let them be able to walk with confidence. Let them be able to walk with boldness. Let them be able to be the people of God that they need to be. Lord, let them be able to come to the throne of grace knowing that you are a, a loving, caring father, but you're not just the judge that's just gonna shame them for their sin. Let them grow more in you. Let them be able to praise you with all that they have tonight. For your name, amen.